this whole series, we've, we've been able to sync our uh, kids' curriculum and our family curriculum up with what we're doing here in the room uh, on a Sunday morning uh, with our adults. And so the hope is, is that these conversations can extend at home. Uh, the kids here in the room have the curriculum on the table actually for parents to take home as well as uh, it's been emailed out to all of our families to be able to take that and really just further the conversation. Uh, let's align together. Let's go deeper in the conversation and see how this plays out in our life. And so as we've learned already from uh, Bobby this morning, we are going to be in John 13. So if you've got your scripture, your Bible app, whatever it may be, uh, I want to invite you to go there with me to John 13. We're actually going to be looking at the passage of scripture uh, that uh, she kind of began to talk about a little bit there uh, at the beginning of John 13, uh, verses 1 through 17. Uh, The last three weeks in this spiritual habit sermon series that we've been in, uh, we've been talking about the idea of spending time with God. That's a key critical habit in our life as followers of Jesus, of spending time with God. Uh, We've talked about uh, spending time with others, others who are following Jesus, others who are committed to Christ, others who who are leading us towards and closer to Christ, really cultivating, spending time with them. Uh, Last week, we talked about the idea of sharing God's story, that we have been given a story, God's story, the greatest story in the world, and we get to live that story. We get to tell that story. We get to show that story to the world. And today we are going to be talking about this fourth spiritual habit in our lives, and that is this idea that we can serve others. Now, really quick, some of you are sitting here in the room and you're like, oh man, I came, or you're watching at home and you're like, I'm really tempted to turn off the the live stream right now because, you know, I don't want to get asked to serve anywhere right now. I'm busy enough. Uh, There's probably going to be, you know, the next step is going to be a serving list and they're going to push me to a serving list and ask me to sign up to do something. That's that's, That's not the next step for today. But you may wish it was the next step when we end the message today. You may wish that was where the bar was set for our lives as Christ followers and we look to the world and we say, how can we serve others? And so I wanna invite you to turn uh, to John 13. And here's what I felt this week when I studied this passage of scripture. I love the picture of Jesus that we get here. I love the posture of Jesus. I love the humility of Jesus. I love the words that Jesus picks to use in this passage of Scripture. I don't really love the challenge that Jesus gives to us as Christ followers. It's going to take some some working out in our lives. It's going to take some wrestling through to bring this to bear, I think, to the fullness of that Jesus was probably implying here in John 13. But this is, and in this very important passage, Jesus, yes, gives us a picture of himself. And boy, does our world, do we as Christ followers ever need a clear picture of Jesus in our lives? Yes, absolutely, he gives us this. But he also gives us a challenge that we as Christ followers, those of us who are pursuing Christ with our life, those of us would say we are devoted, we are disciples of Jesus, we wanna understand this, we wanna learn this, we wanna take this, we wanna apply this into our life. If we are gonna do that, the challenge that Jesus gives to his followers here, we must take seriously. 
So let me set the scene for John 13 so we kind of understand what's happening here. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's going to be arrested uh, just a few chapters over in John in, in, the, in, the, in the chronology here of the Gospels. He's, he's on his way to the cross. And, and the teaching that Jesus begins in John 13 to his disciples that runs all the way through John 17, it ends there with this high priestly prayer. That's probably the, the title there in your Bible in John chapter 17. It is vital to us as followers of Jesus, to embrace it, to seek it out, to live it out in our lives. These chapters represent some of the last teachings of Jesus while he was here on the earth. And the context, the, the, the cultural context of what was happening here in this scene is not only that Jesus is headed to the cross, this is Passover week. For Jewish people, this is, this is Super Bowl Sunday. This is the biggest week all year long. And Jesus has sent his guys ahead to get everything set up. The table is set, the room is ready, and Jesus, much like he always does, shows up, flips the script, interrupts expectations, and proceeds down a path that none of us would have saw coming. So let's read this together. Verse 1 of chapter 13 in John. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it's time for supper, the devil had already entered into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself, Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. Boy, is that passage something that we should embrace in our life, that we look around us and we go, Lord, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't have a clue what you're up to right now. But one day, maybe we will understand it. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, or I'm sorry, verse 8, you will never wash my feet, Peter said, Jesus, repli Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, does not need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, referring to those that were in the room. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, this is an important verse in your life. 
underline this verse in your Bible. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And so if you're taking notes, the uh, first idea that we're going to look at here in John 13 is this, is that Jesus serves undeserving people. Jesus serves undeserving people. When we think about a posture of serving that we can serve others, Jesus shows us here that Jesus, he serves undeserving people. Look, Look at this, verse 10. One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. It's crazy, right? I mean, think about this for just a minute. The setting, the scene here. Here's Jesus, the rabbi, the master, the teacher. Some have said Lord at this point. And he humbles himself and begins to do the job of a servant and wash their feet. Now, none of them deserved this. And Judas here is in the room. We get this idea that even Jesus washed Judas's feet. None of these guys deserved this. None of them deserved Jesus humbling himself and washed, washing his feet, their feet. These guys consistently failed Jesus. They consistently overpromised Jesus, this is what we're gonna do for you, Jesus, this is how we're gonna do it. Jesus, this is, I'm gonna do better, I'm gonna be more, I'm, I'm gonna give it my all. They consistently overpromised and underdelivered. They consistently got it wrong. And Jesus consistently had to come behind them and clean up their messes. A commentator, Dave Guzik, that I referenced quite a bit here at Grace Hill, he says this, at this critical moment, at this evening before the torture of the cross, Jesus did not think of himself. He thought about his disciples. Truly, this was loving them to the end. After all, Jesus' disciples treated him badly and were about to treat him even worse forsaking him completely, yet he loved them. Jesus loved them, and Jesus served them, not because they deserved it, not because they had earned it, but because he simply loved them and loved them first. This was dirty, dusty, messy, gross work. And Jesus humbled himself in a way that many of us today would just think is is just preposterous to think about doing this, and yet here is Jesus, our Savior. Here is Jesus, the teacher, Jesus, the rabbi, Jesus, Lord, humbling himself and serving these undeserving people. Have you ever had a time in your life where you were served and yet you didn't deserve it? Uh, Ever had a time in your life when you were served by someone, you were shown grace by someone, you were given, you know, shown generosity by someone and you had not earned that or deserved it? 
It it is life changing. It is life shaping for us. It impacts us. Uh, just a brief little story. We were out of town traveling. Uh, we, we got a little way. We got, a, got away a little bit over Labor Day weekend, and we were at the beach, and you know, it's, it's always one of those things where you, know, you can go three years without a flat tire, and you go out of town, you get a flat tire, that type of thing, and we were, we were getting ready to leave Destin. We were packed up. We were loaded up out of town, and we'd stopped in there at the, the outlet malls, and there was a couple stores we wanted to hit real quick, and so we went in, and I walked out, and I saw our vehicle, and it was sitting like this. And I knew, I'd hope, man, I, I hope we parked in a low spot. I hope that's why our vehicle's sitting like this. And when I got up to it, rubber was completely flat on the pavement, rim on the rubber, completely flat tire. Labor Day, in Destin, everybody's going home. So the first thing was, I got to get this tire off and get the spare tire on. And I told Kelly, I said, listen, we got to find a, 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 some kind of a tire place somewhere on Labor Day in Destin when everybody from Cairoville is now going home on Labor Day in Destin. And called around, got the spare tire on, found a place about, it was about 27 or 28 miles away which you know in Destin miles, that's like 17 hours on Labor Day in Destin. And the guy said to me, he said, here's what I would do. I would head this way, but I won't make any promises to you that we'll get it on today. He said, I would start trying to figure out if you can find a place to stay tonight because it might be in the morning. So we loaded up rolled down, got there, rolled into this dealership, this Firestone dealership at like 3.30 on a Monday in Destin. And the guy told me, he said, I I don't know what I'm gonna be able to do. And, And so, you know, being the strategic husband that I did, I took all of my family out of my car, brought them into the lobby so he could see their tired, worn out, beach blistered faces and maybe have some compassion on us. And you know what this guy did? The manager of this little store, He took my keys, he pulled my van into the very last bay there in the dealership, and he personally put a tire on for me. We were in and out of that place in about 45 minutes. He served me in a way that I did not deserve. And I've told 50 people about that story. Why? Because it changed me. It made me more aware of how I could change, or how I could serve people, that maybe they don't deserve it, but because I have the ability to serve them, I will. Jesus served undeserving people. And what makes this so powerful is not only that he served undeserving people, but the second idea we get here from John 13 is this, is that Jesus is not obligated to serve in this way. He served undeserving people, but he also was not obligated. You see, there are people in our life that we may go, they're not, they they don't deserve it, but we're obligated to serve them. Wives, look at your husbands. This is a great spot where you would look at them and say, this is you, buddy. You don't deserve it, but there's a level of obligation here, so I'm going to do it. Men, you just keep your mouth shut and just say, honey, I love you. I'll serve you whatever you need. Jesus is not obligated to serve in this way, and yet he does it. Look look at a couple of these verses here. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. 
So he got up from his supper. Now, now just think on this for a minute. Did you miss it? Everything had been given to his hands. That he had come from God and that he knew he was going back to God. Let's not fly by that. This is Jesus. This is Savior. This is Lord. Everything had been given into his hands. He had come from God and he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. And then down in verse 12, Jesus begins this conversation with them. Listen to this, verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and he said to them, do you not know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and you call me Lord. This is who they had identified Jesus as, his teacher and Lord. And he says, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. Here's the rabbi, the teacher, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. Taking off his outer garments, tying a towel around his waist, assuming an incredibly humble posture at the feet of each of these disciples that were not deserving and he was not obligated to do this. This was not the cultural norm. This was not the societal way to handle this moment. And yet Jesus stepped in to give us an example, to give us a model to follow. In no way was culturally was Jesus obligated to do this in, in this moment. He did so out of love for them. And he did so out of love for us so that we would have this model, that we would have this image in our mind as, as followers of Jesus, as living our life as followers of Jesus. Jesus took on the form of a servant when he was not obligated to do so. Paul kind of, kind of teases out this theme in Philippians 2. It's gonna be on the screen. Listen to this. Adopt the same attitude as that as Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, okay, we, we get this in John 13, all things had been given to him. He came from God. He was going back to God. Existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself. How did he empty himself? By assuming the form of a servant. Taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Now I wanna speak for just a moment to those who um, 
You, you may feel some tension when it comes to the idea of Jesus and God and Christianity, and, and you feel this tension because, you know, maybe you've heard some things on the internet about God or Jesus or Christianity. Maybe you, you see the kind of the cultural moment that we're in in our world in 2020, and you see so much divisiveness that's happening in the Christian community, and, and you've seen so many Christians, you know, popular, well-known Christians have massive failures in their life. Maybe people close to you have deeply disappointed you who said, I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear today, is that this picture in John 13 and then there in Philippians 2 that Paul gives us is the picture of our Savior who came as a servant to be obedient even to death, death on a cross. And if you understand this, if you can grasp the idea that the, the nature of Jesus did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but he willingly exchanged that moment and stepped into earth, took on the form of a servant, and served humanity all the way to the point, yes, by washing the disciples' feet. But he served humanity. He loved humanity all the way to the point of even death on the cross. It will change your perspective of Jesus. You guys have heard me share several times uh, because it has so impacted my life. It was one of those life-changing moments, but you guys have heard several times the story of me reference of when I got burned back in 2017. Uh, we had an accident at our house, 17% uh, or 15% body surface burns on, on my body, hands, arms, back. Uh, it was a scariest moment, honestly, uh, for me, uh, one of the scariest moments for me in my entire life. And... Um, I was reflecting back on that this week. Because what happened in that moment was people who were not obligated to serve began to serve. People who could have just sent well wishes, thoughts and prayers, which there's nothing wrong with that, that's great, we need the power of prayer more and more in our lives today. But the people who could have sat back at a distance and just said, man, we hate that for you, rolled up their sleeves, who are not obligated to serve, and stepped in and serve. I can't tell you time and time again, I would get a knock on the door. And I would get a text message to say, hey, we just dropped off gift cards for your family in an envelope, so you guys don't have to think about dinner for the next few weeks. Time and time again, I'd, I'd get a phone call, hey, hey, I'm at the store, w what can I pick up for you? I wanna get you something to kinda help you through this season, this time. I remember getting a, a care package from Germantown Elementary School teachers who are not under any obligation in any way to serve myself or my family in this moment. And yet they stepped out of their comfort zone. They stepped out of what they were, you know, obligated to do. They were unobligated to do this. And they served my family. You see, when someone who is not obligated 
obligates themselves to you and serves you in a dramatic way, it changes your life. And I just, for a minute, I just imagine that, you know, Jesus goes through these teachings here in this setting after he's washed their feet. They're walking to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I just have to imagine this scene playing out in the disciples' lives. He washed our feet. I mean, let's take a poll. How many here would sign up for the foot washing service next Sunday night here at the church? And yet he humbled himself, served them in this way that is so profound and so powerful. Jesus says here at the end, he says, do you know what I have done for you? It's as if he's saying, hey, 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 get it. Stay with me here, guys. Do you understand what this means? This was a big deal, and it had a major implication. And this is the part that I alluded to earlier that I really wish Jesus had left off. Or maybe Jesus, you know, it happened, but John just decided to not put it in his gospel. Because this is the part where we look and we go, wow, that's amazing, Jesus, into the mirror on our lives, and we say, okay, what does this mean for me as a follower of Jesus? You see, Jesus intends for his followers to do the same. Jesus intends for his followers to do the same. I mean, he is clear here. There's lots of theological implications. We could spend weeks on these 17 verses just unpacking what it meant for him to have all things given into his hands. We could spend a whole sermon series just talking about the implications of the fact that he was God and he stepped out of heaven and stepped into earth. We could spend weeks talking about the fact that he ascended back in in resurrected bodily form that we get in Acts 1. We could spend weeks doing that. But here Jesus points us to this reality that he intends for his followers of Jesus to take on this very nature. Listen to this, verse 14. So if I your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Why? For I have given you an example that you should also, that that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You see, many of us came to Christ. Many of us would say that the moment where we trusted Christ as our Savior was because there was a huge problem presented to us. And that problem is a real problem. That problem is this, is that you can't save yourself. Many of you have tried. You've exhausted all efforts. You've given yourself to the world in every possible way you could to find fulfillment, to find happiness, to fill that void, to to remedy that hole that is in your life. 
And many of us came to Christ because we got to a place where we realized we cannot save ourselves. And maybe it was a parent, a pastor, a small group leader, a friend, a a family member that shared God's story with you. And, And maybe it went something like this. And all this is true. Hey, Jesus died for you. And if you want to trust him to be your savior, guess what? There's good news. Is that when you die, you won't go to hell. You actually go to heaven. And then there was usually a question like this. What do you want to do? And many of us said, well, I'll take heaven. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's the good news of the gospel, that when there was no way, Jesus became the way. That when, in many ways, it was up to us to do the right things that God had laid out in order to find salvation, to find forgiveness, Jesus steps in and says, no, 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 I'll be the way. I'll be the sacrifice once and for all, for all of humanity. But many of us were handed a Bible and given a pat on the back and said, good luck. And and a life that leads us towards obediently following Jesus is costly. It means that there are times and seasons in our life, hello 2020, where we will sacrificially and humbly be asked to serve undeserving people that we are unobligated to do it, not because we're good people, but because Jesus intends for his followers to do the same thing that he did for us. And he extends that out. And he gives us a clear picture here. I've got to end the message today, but I want to I I wrap up by asking you this question. What would that look like in our world today? You know, I don't, I don't think Jesus intended for us to just walk around washing everybody's feet, literally washing everybody's feet. Try that this afternoon with your neighbor. Let me know how it goes. I don't think that was the the literal implication here. I think it was the descriptive implication for us as followers of Jesus. What is it that puts us in a posture of humility? What is it in our lives that puts us in in a vulnerable position to serve undeserving people that we are unobligated to do this for? Why? Because Jesus Christ did it for us. What are those messy dirty places that we would be asked to step in and serve people in our lives. You've probably got a couple that have come to your mind right now. And you're probably wishing by now, man, I wish it was a sign-up sheet to stand at the door and hand out bulletins on Sunday morning. Because that's what I would like to serve right now. That's how I would like to serve But Jesus may be calling us to obedience into something deeper. Something that postures ourselves in a posture as followers of Jesus towards undeserving people that we are not obligated to serve them in that way.
You see, the power in the kingdom of God, if we take this seriously, this model of Jesus, power in the kingdom of God, does not look like a title, it doesn't look like a position, it doesn't look like authority, it doesn't look like a big paycheck, it doesn't look like any of those things. Power in the kingdom of God looks like wrapping a towel around your waist. Posturing yourself in a posture of humility and serving undeserving people that you are not obligated to serve in a sacrificial way. So when we talk here at Grace Hill about a spiritual habit of serving others, that is one of the ways that we model Christ for our lives, for our family, for our community, for our neighbors, for the world around us to say, I will posture myself in a way towards you, not because I'm a good person, not because I've got spare time, not because I've got nothing else to do, but because Jesus intends for his disciples to model this to the world around them. Why? Because he did it first. You see, all this was here in this passage of Scripture was just a foreshadowing, a picture of what Jesus just hours later would suffer under that cross. That he would give his life to undeserving people and then would invite us into that story to say, hey, if you want to come follow me, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to deny yourself. I want to ask you to take up your cross. I want to ask you to come follow me. And sometimes that means it's going to require us to serve undeserving people that we are not obligated to serve in incredibly sacrificial ways. Not because we're good people, but because we have a great Savior and we model ourselves after him because it is what he has done for us let's pray together Jesus thank you that you did something that you did not have to do for people who did not deserve what you did and I pray this morning our, our hearts are stirred That as we look out into a very broken world, that your followers of Jesus would put ourselves in a posture that would simply say, I want to serve. I don't want to just consume, I want to contribute. And it may require us to put ourselves in a posture that, that, that lends ourselves towards people, that gives ourselves towards people and places that are undeserving. And people in places that, that we're not obligated to go. We're not obligated to serve them. But the question we have to wrestle through today is, why not? 
because Jesus, you did it. Let us follow after you with all of our heart, all of our days, and all of our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter.